Dots. I'm Dr. Latifah. I'm the host of the Money Fit MD podcast. This is where we help badass women physicians just like you learn simple and effective tools to build wealth from the inside out. That way we can create wealth and bigger impact without all the burnout. Enjoy the episode. everybody welcome to another episode with your money coach dr latifat how are you guys doing i am so 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 excited to be here today i i mean y'all know i love y'all and every chance that i get to be in your ears feels like a privilege to me so i do not take it for granted so thank you for spending time with me and as part of my commitment to making sure that you give value from the time we spend together, I always love to bring you fantastic episodes and even amazing guests. So today I have one of those and your guys are going to be like, let's see why we're talking about eating and food. Mm. Listen, y'all, guess what happens that which the reason why we're like overspend or not look at our money is because of feelings and emotions that we're having. And what I find is when some of y'all are trying to get this money ish together, you try to be sneaky and you start chasing around the food, right? And there's a lot of bad content out there about how, you know, to be afraid of eating. And I said, you know what? The same I want you guys to enjoy money. How about we bring some excitement into your eating and your food? So I found an amazing physician that's going to tell us all about that. And so I want to say welcome, Dr. Chavan, to our podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I love talking about loving your food. And how you can actually reach goals like weight loss while loving it. And you know what you said at the beginning, it's so funny because I coach physicians with eating and weight and it's the same thing. Like as we start to manage our weight, especially when we're being really restrictive with our eating, the money goes off the side, right? Like we end up going online and shopping when we wish that we could be eating. And what you were saying is it the same way when you start controlling your money, they look for other ways. It's our human brains are so fascinating. Yep. So Anyways, let's talk today, about loving what we eat. We're going to love what we eat. So tell us about you. Who are you? Where are you? I love your accent. And y'all, by the way, if you're going to be looking for her later, check the show notes because the way her name sounds is not how it's spelled. So I want to make sure you find the right person. <laughs> but tell us who you are and all that good stuff. Sure. So I'm, I'm a family physician in Canada. It's so funny that you said I have an accent because I don't, honestly don't think I do. But <laughs> um, so I'm in northern Canada. We're up here with, uh, you know, big winters and bears and all that sort of fun stuff. And I'm a family physician and an obesity medicine physician. And I've been coaching physicians on their eating and weight for about four years now. And I'm the host of the Thriving as a Physician podcast, How to Lose Weight and Love Your Life. And what my real passion when I'm working with physicians is, is how to go from like, I know what to do, because we all say that to ourselves as physicians, I know what I should be doing, to actually doing it in a way that you love, that makes your life better. I am totally done with diets that make our lives worse and that we beat ourselves up about and that we just hang on for dear life, but then we can't actually hang on during those really busy weeks because there's not enough mental energy left over. It just doesn't work. And the outcome of that is that we beat ourselves up. And you've worked with women physicians for a long time. And so I'm sure you've discovered the same thing. We as women physicians are so flipping hard on ourselves. Like we beat ourselves up and tell ourselves that we're not enough in so many areas of our life. Let's stop doing that in eating and weight. It's just not worth it. It doesn't help you get any 
further forward. It actually holds you back and it makes your life worse. So that's why I love today's topic. It's going to be fun. So I have a not impossible task for you because I know you're a badass. So I have a hidden agenda for bringing you here. It's because over this episode, I want to get excited about eating. <laughs> get me excited. Awesome. Teach me. Teach us all the things. You want to be wealthy. You want to be well. And we don't want to be chasing calories. Tell us all the good stuff. Absolutely. So let's start with how we usually approach weight loss, right? That whole thing, like I said, almost every physician that comes to me says, I know what I should be doing. I just have to get myself to do it. But the, what we know we should be doing, and let's examine that. Because I think where the make first happens, that makes it so we don't actually like what we do. And so the we know what we should be doing means eat less, exercise more, because that's what we were taught in school. And it's some form of eat less, right? Like maybe it's, I need to be eating more vegetarian or more plant-based meals. Maybe it's, I need to be eating low carb. or there's some form of it that we have in our head. But we also think that there's some sort of perfection ideal that when we reach it and we do that, we will automatically reach our goals. But here's the thing. Perfection doesn't get us to our goals consistency gets our to, us to our goals. And what helps us be consistent is when we actually like doing to lose weight. So a huge mistake we all make, physicians and non-physicians, when we're approaching weight loss is we think, okay, I really want to see some results. So I'm going to hang in there. And I always do this with my hands. You guys can't see me on the video, but it's like the cat poster where you're hanging off off the wall. Ah! I'm just going to hang in there and work really hard and be really careful with my eating and just get things going. And then I'll figure out later how I'm going to maintain it. I don't think that works because about three weeks into that, that really hard, really effort of what you're eating and getting yourself to eat stuff you don't really want to be eating, you run out of the energy to focus on it. And then you stop. I think from the get-go, let's screw the diet and accept that we all have wisdom. We as physicians have an incredible amount of wisdom about what healthy eating would look like. We also have wisdom about what has worked for us in the past and what we like and the limitations of our own life. Like, you know, are we doing call work? Are we doing shift work? Are we feeding kids? And let's honor that about ourselves from the beginning and design a way of eating that actually addresses all of that. So that you like it from the beginning, because if you like it from the beginning, it's going to be so much easier to be consistent and so that it is manageable within your life. It's not like this part-time job you take on of feeding yourself healthy. It's, it's something that you're doing that fits into your life right from the get-go. Now, I know for some of you guys listening, you're going to be like, oh, okay, well, that's just like, I don't even know what to do and how to do that. And that's only, the only reason why we say that to ourselves is because we've been trained through diets that the answer comes from outside of us. And the reality is that answers that are truly going to get you to your goals and help you stay there come from inside. External sources can't do that. It's you interpreting all the information and the knowledge you have from external sources and then customizing it into your own life. And answers for all the questions that come up of like, well, but how do I do this if I don't have any time? How do I do this if my kids only eat this food? All of those answers exist when you ask yourself good questions. 
If you're like, okay, I know my kids only eat this. So how do I then plan food that's going to work for me without making like three meals in a night? Because <laughs> that doesn't work either, right? You know, I love the questions you're asking. And it's interesting how simple they are, but yet really important. Because the question that comes to my mind is, what do I like to eat? Yeah. I was going to say this came up with one of the coaching clients in that we were, the conversation was around having challenges with sticking to the plan she'd made for herself. And ultimately it came down to the food that she planned. She didn't actually like, like had never liked in her entire life, but had this idea that this is what healthy eating looked like. And this is what you needed to so continue to plan it, continue to cook it, but then found she wouldn't eat it because she didn't like it. And I think it's it's fascinating that you say, like, I don't even know what I'd like, because we don't ask ourselves that. We think that we have to learn how to like that other stuff instead of saying, what do I like and what healthy options are within that that are going to work for my body? Such a more empowering place to start from. It is. And what I found that helped me was I had to silence a lot of external noise about what food should look like. And what mm-hmm. food parents should look like. And in fact, sometimes when I eat, my siblings are like, that's gross. Who has yogurt and soup? <laughs> so that's what I have for lunch. A salad and yogurt, yogurt or soup, because that's what I love, right? But it's interesting how it's so simple yet so profound that the way that we eat is the result of things that we think we should be doing things that we've been told is the right way to eat. But when we actually silence all the noise and say, what do I actually like to eat? And how can I eat this in a way that is kind to my body, in a way that helps me achieve the goal that I want? And, you know, if the goal is to be able to build strong muscles or lose weight or gain weight, like that is going to be different. But I just love how simple the questions you're asking us are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, just changes the whole conversation. Like the reality is most of us, when we think about weight loss, we dread it, right? And we dread it because of all that embedded stuff about what it should look like, that it should be hard. It should involve restriction. It should involve deprivation. It means you're going to have to eat food that you don't really like. All of that, like, let's just chuck it out the freaking window because we don't have time or the mental energy in our lives to do that. And there's so many layers to like why also following stuff you don't like and you know why do we turn to food as physicians and why do we turn to spending money as physicians to try to make ourselves feel better that's a whole other topic but we just we need to let it work in our lives and give ourselves permission that my way of eating and losing weight is going to look different than your way of healthy eating and that's okay because we can each make it look the way it needs to look for us as an individual My next question would be this, what if, and I'm thinking from the perspective of my women that are listening to this, what if the stuff that I do like are the things that are called bad food? What do I do? Yeah. Fantastic question. So I think let's talk first about like what creates pull to certain foods compared to other foods. I talk about pedestal foods. So my huge thing that I dealt with like literally for years, like constantly thinking of how to change this was french fries and it was a particular drive-through french fries like busy day busy crazy 
kids, like anything would, I just felt so compelled, couldn't figure it out. So if you use my example, you think of those French fries were like in my brain on a pedestal, but not even on a pedestal. Like there's like spotlights. And then I always joke that there's an angel choir going, ah. so like, as soon as my brain thinks about these fries, it lights up and it's like, go get them. Life will be so much better. So the question is like, why? Why those fries? And like I said, it was a very particular brand. It wasn't even like, just go get French fries. It was like, this brand is where it had to go. Please don't tell me it's now McDonald's. The- I will no, disown you. It was, okay, a, right, it was Wendy's. Like paper. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all they're right. Wendy's French fries. I've been cracking Which up they've the changed them time. since. Oh, really? Okay, all right. <laughs> tell us, tell us. But so some of these things, there is elements of like those fries create dopamine in your brain, processed carbohydrates and sugar create dopamine in your brain. So your brain is attracted to that. But really, when it comes down to the reason why those fries were up on a pedestal with the angel choir is how I thought about them for years, starting in residency, probably third year medical school, because I remember Wendy's opened up like right across from the hospital. I think that's probably when I started eating them. And at some point, I started to develop thoughts about, you know, they're so good and they're so crispy and like all these like loving thoughts about these French fries. Plus, because of the times that I was eating them, like post-call when I was tired or on-call when I didn't have any time to do anything else, they became this like, it was like, oh, it'll just be this nice break or it'll give me energy. There's a whole bunch of thoughts. Now, it's those thoughts that actually put the fries on the pedestal. It's not inherent properties of the fries that put it up on the pedestal. And that is a really, really important distinction. And that was probably one of the most profound things I figured out in my own weight loss is that we can decide which foods go on the pedestal based on how we're thinking about it. So your question about bad foods, as soon as we label bad food, I shouldn't be eating this, but I really want to eat it. Those thoughts create more desire for the, put it up on a pedestal. As soon as we're labeling food as like good and bad, it's creating this disparate foods in our brain's desire for the food. Now, at the same time, when you're thinking about these foods up on a pedestal, often we put other foods down in a ditch below the pedestal. So what I used to do, like, I'd be like, okay, I really should be eating these salads. And they were like, not a great salad is what I was picturing. But what I really want is the fries. So the fries were up on the pedestal, shining lights on them in my brain, thinking about how fantastic they were. And then I'd go into a restaurant. I'd be like, okay, well, I really should order the salad. And the soundtrack to that is probably like, wah, wah. Like, it was just like, all right, like, I guess I'll try and order this. And the time I ordered the salad instead of the burger and fries in a restaurant, I thought I deserved a gold star. Like, it took so much effort for me to do it. But the reason why that salad was unappealing was because of how I was thinking about it. I was thinking like, well, I should order this, but it's not going to taste as good as that. And I guess I can handle it. Like really kind of crappy thoughts about the food that I was telling myself I wanted to be eating on a regular basis. And of course it didn't work. Like why would you eat food that gives you a wah, wah feeling? on a regular basis. Like you can do that occasionally. And if back then, if I ordered that salad in the restaurant and got my little gold star, probably the next time I would absolutely order the French fries because I'm like, look at what I did. I ordered a salad. Yay. 
And that was so hard on me. And so now I deserve to have the French fries the next time. And the really important piece that I want you guys to take away listening to this is it's not the fries versus the salad. It's the thoughts about the fries and the thoughts about the salad that created it. And so you can have so much power over how you feel about the foods you're eating based on how you think about them. And you can decide to intentionally move things onto that pedestal and also bring things off of the pedestal. That is amazing right there. So much power. And what I'm thinking about as you're talking about is my daughter. I have three kids. And one of them, the middle one that looks just like me, has something for ramen. Not like good ramen, like top ramen. I've literally bought like the good ramen that I love and I put on the pedestal because of my thoughts about it and it's healthy, it's better. And she wants the salty one. And I'm like, child. And as a, you know, as someone that is becoming continuously intentional about her thoughts and how that impacts our kids and how they relate with food. As you're talking, I'm already asking myself, how do I help her move and change her thoughts about the noodles? I still want her to eat it, but I just don't want her to think that she has to have it every week in order to have a fantastic, like, I don't want it to be like the highlight of the week she gets it. I want to lower it down Mm -hmm. and have other things. So I'm already thinking about ideas on how I'm going to do that. So I, I think that was very, very profound. So thank you for sharing that. Do you have any advice for me on how Mm -hmm. to help my kids? You know, I, cause I do this too. Like there's, I have three kids and there's differences in how their brains approach food. Totally. And so I try to talk about this stuff with them and try to, I number one, talk to them about how the processed food impacts their brain and the dopamine and creates craving. Cause I think that's powerful for kids to know, especially before they hit the teenage years where generally, as we know, most teenagers eat a lot of processed food. <laughs> and then I, I tr- teach them this too, that, you know, like how we're thinking about this food, even if it's not healthy, can make it feel more attractive. And then I think the third thing I do is I really try to model positive thinking about food. So this is an aside, but something that comes up for a lot of people. So my husband and I eat quite low carb. Our kids don't. And I I get that question a lot of like, how can you eat low carb without giving your kids eating disorders, (laughs) essentially? Like, how do I lose weight and watch my eating without harming my children. And I really believe it matters how we talk and think about the food. So my kids never hear us say, I can't eat that. Like if they're eating something with sugar carbs, they never hear us say, I can't eat it. I'm not allowed to eat it. That's bad food. What they hear us say is, you know what, that food doesn't really work for our bodies. And I feel better if I eat this other food. Or they'll hear us say, you know what, yeah, I'll, like, because my daughter's baked, I'll have a little bit of that. I'd like to taste what you baked, but I don't eat a lot of it just because it doesn't work for my body. I think it's a very different conversation, and it can come from a place when you feel more empowered about your food and the reason why you're making choices that way. I 100% agree. What I try to tell my kids, and I'm very conscious about that too, like good or bad, no, I don't think there's anything that really should be off chewed, right? would choose to not have anything off the table. But then I, for example, I don't eat breakfast most days because it just makes me Mm -hmm. feel tired and heavy, right? And my kid's like, what am I going to have breakfast? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. Just coffee. I'm good with coffee. I prefer to not eat breakfast. I find that when I eat breakfast, I get more, I feel more tired. And they'll, they eat breakfast and that's fine. And I actually want that same middle child 
that I was talking to you about doesn't actually like breakfast at all. And before we would, you know, when we had a nanny, she would try to make her eat breakfast. And I'm like, no, don't force her to eat. If she's not hungry, she doesn't have to eat. And so what we do is we just make sure she has stuff in her bag so that when she's hungry in like two to three hours later, she has something to eat. And I think just like money, just like a lot of other things, sometimes what we do is actually more impactful than what we say. Right. And so mm-hmm. we just have to be, and it's never going to be perfect as parents, but just having that layer of consciousness that we are actually, our kids are modeling a lot of the stuff that how we respond unconsciously to stuff. Right. And so it means that we just need to be more intentional about our relationship with, with food as well and not painting one as bad. Like spending is not bad. Shopping is not bad. No, it's just what are we choosing and seeing that there is choices with how we do stuff. Yes, there may be consequences for good and for bad, but we get to choose whether we want those consequences or not and love ourselves no matter what. Absolutely. A lot of what I teach the physicians in my coaching program is called like empowered eating, where at any food choice, like we are all adults, similar to what you're saying about money, we are all adults and we can eat anything that we want. We can make any food choice we want. We can eat any amount of food we want. And it's fine because we're the agent of our own body. We get to make that choice. Now, a lot of people feel nervous when I say that because we've been taught we shouldn't be okay with eating any food. We've been embedded in this like good food, bad food. We should only be happy with ourselves when we eat quote unquote good food. But here's what actually happens. And this is really interesting is if you're sitting there and I'm going to use the example of my daughter's baking because this happens on a very regular basis where I've got 12 year old twins. They love to bake, so there's often like cookies, cupcakes, varieties of things upstairs in the kitchen. And I never say to myself, I can't eat that. I never say to myself, oh, no, they're going to be baking. What am I going to do? Because it's all full-carb stuff. Though, side note, I am teaching them how to cook some or bake some really good carb stuff for myself, which is a parent win. Smart. <laughs> but, Smart. Yeah. So I never say I can't eat that to myself. What I say is I like, okay, I could totally have one of those cupcakes. Sometimes I do because they want me to, like they want to share what they baked and get feedback and stuff. But here's a reason why I'm not going to have it today. So I absolutely could have it. But do I want the, the impact of that? Do I want those consequences that you were just talking about? And for me, having like, you know, a higher carb sugary thing means I get more cravings. I physically feel a little sluggier. I, you know, feel more swollen in the mornings. Like there's a bunch of physical stuff that I just don't like. Um, I have less energy. And so when I'm making that conversation, it's not like I can't eat that. And so I need to just not eat it. It's totally could eat it, but that does come with some consequences. And so today I, I don't need to eat it because I could eat it any other day. So when you start to empower yourself with your eating, it's not like this is my one chance to eat a cupcake. Do I want to eat it or not? It's like I could totally eat it today, but I also absolutely could eat one tomorrow, the next day, the next day. And every single time you can just make that decision of like, is this a time where I want that and I want those consequences? And I don't like the term consequence, but the impact of that choice. Yes. Or is this a time where knowing that I could have it at any other time in my life, a time where I actually want to choose the other path of being like, I'm good without eating it today. I'm going to focus more on the stuff that makes me feel my best. 
I love it. I love I love how you it's a more mindful approach. It's a kinder approach. And I definitely it's a less judgmental approach, which is why it works better than a lot of the other ways that we've had. So let me ask you this as we round it up. If someone is like, okay, this is helpful. I need help. I need support. Latifa tells me to be kinder with the way I spend my money for, you know, whatever that means to you. And I was hoping that food would be my escape. And now you're here. Like, how do I, how can you support me? Where can they find you? Tell us a little bit about your group program. Totally. So the first place they could check out is my podcast. There's like over 200 episodes. There's tons of info. So that's the Thriving as a Physician podcast, How to Lose Weight and Love Your Life. But if they really want help, and especially if they're listening and they're like, I struggle with food, and I work with physicians with a range of eating issues from like just I can't figure out how to get myself to do what I know I should be doing to physicians that have binge eating where they really feel out of control at times with their eating. And honestly, if you identify with like, I really feel out of control with my eating, then getting long-term direct support through coaching, I think it's the answer. And so I offer a program called Thrive Academy for Physicians. And what that is, is a six-month group coaching program, but it's a small group format. So there's lots of opportunity for people to get direct help. And what we work on is exactly the stuff that we've been talking about. Of Like, let's reach the weight loss goals, but let's set the bar higher and just lose weight. Let's put the bar up to let's do it in a way that makes everything we do to lose weight makes our life better. And at the same time, let's thrive in our life more. I love it. I love oh, it. And, and, how- and I'll give you a link just <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like in case you want to actually find that. You can uh, check out thrivephysicians.ca for more information about the program. And the podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. Fantastic. And we're going to have a link as well in the show notes for those that are not driving or done driving. I want to go <laughs> click on link. Don't do that stuff while you're driving. So I want to just Perfect. say thank you so much for coming on here, for coming to spend time with us. I've learned and I'm definitely going to be imputing some other stuff, especially because the noodle drama is like literally acute on my brain right now. It's like I, two nights ago, it's like, I want, I'm like, no, that stuff just like crap, right? Of course, I know that that's not the ideal message that I want her to have, but that was what I had on my mind at that point. And so going forward, I'm going to figure out a way to bring it off the and make it a little more of a, a touch of add a little a touch of wah, wah to it <laughs> so yeah all right thank you so very yeah, much and it's a, kind of a fun experiment where you're like how can i like how can i change the thoughts to bring that down it's fun yes i love and it. it's love super it. super fun if you're like the food you think you should be eating and you'd be okay eating but it's in that ditch Super fun to be like, how would I think about it to put it up in a pedestal and get that angel choir talking to me about this? No, I will never get the angel choir out of my brain when it comes to food. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, not a great singer, so I apologize to anybody well, who actually you know has. What? Like... You're doing way better than I am. I don't sing on this podcast <laughs> for a reason. I would have like nobody list. Like, she's not thinking for all the money tips, but you're singing. Got me right. <laughs> <laughs> my kids tell me I'm a. Uh, what is it like an injured chicken or a sick chicken or something when I'm singing in the car? I'm like, thank you. <laughs> nothing like kids to keep oh. you honest. <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm like, are we going to stop being honest? Cause I have some thoughts about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm that parent. Zero judgment. <laughs> oh no, this has been fun. Thank, thank you, you so much for coming. Yeah. Thank and you so much for having me. For our audience. 
you know what to do. Enjoy this episode. Take actions. Like I always tell you, just one thing, change one thing, two things. That's all. You don't have to drink water from a fire hose. And remember to share this with those in your life. And of course, leave us a review. Leave us a written on whatever platform you're using so we can know exactly why you love hanging out with us. Thanks, guys, and see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Hey, Doc. The door to our money school is open for enrollment. If you are ready to take your finances to the next level and join an amazing group of badass women physicians just like you in a shame-free, judgment-free, net worth growing container, you have to join us. Let's take your money game to the next level. Be sure to visit www.moneyfitmd.com forward slash M as in Mary, S as in Sam, B as in badass, just like you. I look forward to meeting you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.